Hi, I'm Noelle. And I'm Mariana. And this is The, the Bliss, Bliss Project. Project. We decided to start this podcast to share topics and information we are both passionate about. And our intention is to share a positive message as we dive into wellness, spirituality, self-love, alignment, and how life evolves along the way. And while having fun, of course. So join us each week as we connect, explore, and grow with one another and, and you. you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 15 of The Bliss Project. We are so excited today to have on our friend Sandra Ann Miller. She has written a book called The Sassy Little Guide to Getting Over Him and also has a podcast called The Sassy Little Podcast for Getting Over It. Uh, she is full of laughter and humor and just a thrill and pleasant person to talk to. So tune in and enjoy. Hi, I'm Noelle. And I'm Mariana. Welcome to The Bliss Project. Today, we are here with our good friend, Sandra Ann Miller. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Sandra. Welcome so much. Uh, oh, thank you so much for coming and welcome. I just mixed the two together. We're just really <laughs> excited to have you. And uh, we well, want, want to start off with asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself and what lights you up right now. Sure. Um, well, thanks so much for having me. It's so nice to be here with you guys. And um, well, you know, I'm just your average girl in the Venice area who's, you know, working a day job and also trying to make that creative part of me happen, I guess, <laughs> for lack of, of a better uh, explanation. I think I've written books. I have a podcast called A Sassy Little Podcast for Getting Over It. And I think that, you know, the past five years have been really hard for me. Like, I stopped writing and it wasn't writer's block just because I think there was a lack of optimism I had and we were going through so much and we're still going through so much as not only a country, but the world, it just seemed like, are these stories even relevant right now? And so as far as all of that, you know, just trying to get that connection that you have when you have that conversation with the reader as an author, having that connection with people when we're so isolated. So that, that's why I started the podcast is just to connect and have conversations that you would have if you were meeting with people, you know, in real life. And as far as what's, what's lighting me up right now, it's just these little moments of joy because mm -hmm. everything is a little bit challenging right now for everyone still. Mm -hmm. And so if it's a butterfly floating by, that, that lights me up. If it's uh, an easy drive somewhere, that lights me up. A good parking space lights me up. So it's just those little moments of joy rather than waiting for something really big to arrive because, you know, it, there's just still so much going on and every day there's something new to be worried about or enraged about. And so finding those little things that light you up, grab onto them hold on to them and absolutely and take take those moments and know that there are little moments all the yes. time you just have to yeah, be aware of them you can absolutely. find joy like you said in the smallest things like i i find joy in my cup of tea latte every freaking day. <laughs> and i've had to forgive myself for going and getting one every day but i'm like it brings me so much joy like there's no guilt in it anymore like i just accept that i am addicted to tea <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's acceptance is the first step mm -hmm. 
<laughs> Pretty much. I, yeah, I, I, I will sign me up for that club. Um, I want to talk, you describe yourself as a writer of wrongs mm-hmm. and that laughter and real talk is the best way to move out of the past into the present. What do you mean by that exactly? Well, I, I love a good pun. So I'm very punny. And so a writer <laughs> of wrongs, um, it just kind of struck me. And so for my fiction, my characters are usually in the weeds. You know, they, they've either had circumstances that have happened to them or have made some decisions that didn't work out and not painting it as this, well, it's not dark, but it's not, everything's not always sunny. And we, we all have bad days. We all have bad patches and that's the human side of us. So that's where the writer of wrongs comes about a little bit mostly because I love a good pun. And, <laughs> and then as far as, as far as the real talk and the humor to get you out of the burden of the past, I think laughter really is such a powerful medicine and healer. And it also helps you to get perspective on things that have been painful or negative. And I don't mean that in any sort of toxic positivity way or ignoring feelings at all. But I think that you can remove yourself a little bit from the situation. So just a little background on me. I come from a slightly dysfunctional family with a bit of verbal and emotional abuse. And that is, it's so painful in in the moment. And it's so painful for so long after the fact But then when you can kind of remove yourself from it and really listen to what they have said, you realize how absurd it is. You can laugh at the absurdity. Yes. I mean, it's it's almost comedy. I mean, aside from the pain, I mean, the pain is very real and the intention to inflict that pain is very real. But when you, when you think about it, you're like, they actually said that. Yeah, or that actually <laughs> happened. What the F were they thinking? Is this real life? Yeah, it, it's like you couldn't write that because, well, you could. Yeah. Sometimes I have. <laughs> but it's so laughter can really help you get that perspective. And then with the real talk, you know, sometimes we, we sugarcoat things or we take the long way around getting to our point. And, uh, I'm a little bit more impatient in that regard. <laughs> direct? <laughs> yes, direct. <laughs> uh, pretty direct. And I think that, you know, with a little bit of humor and cutting to the chase, like just getting to the point, that's a bit more helpful. You know, it, it's just saying, look, let's really talk about this. Let's not be polite and give the disclaimers and, you know, all of that good stuff. But what's the nugget? Like, let's just get to it. So I think that we can waste less time by going the more direct route and just having that real talk. And waste more time and enjoy the conversations more because they're pretty funny. (laughs) Yes. The absurdity is actually funny. I know I have a past relationship where I look back on it and some of the things that happened were so absurd and just I couldn't write this better. Like I could, I couldn't have written a better story, but it's like, I now can like where it was so painful or just so hurtful at the time. Now I laugh and I'm just like, okay, what was I thinking? And 
okay. You know, and it, it's such, it's such a good part of the healing process because, you know, laughter and crying are so close together in that yes. connection. And sometimes you'll be like having a really amazing cry. And then the next thing, you know, you're just laughing hysterically and it's, it's such a release for the body. Absolutely. Or laughing until you, the, the tears are rolling. It's yeah. my favorite thing. It doesn't happen often enough, sadly, but that <laughs> is so great. Like when you are just dying with laughter in the yeah. best possible way and can hardly catch your breath and the tears are streaming, you can't physically talk, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just too busy laughing that that's just bliss. Not taking, yeah, not taking yourself so seriously or life so oh seriously. Like God. I think yes, everybody please. right now could use a good freaking laugh yeah. cry. Yeah, <laughs> a laugh cry. <laughs> I also think it's really important too, just like even in your own journey and looking back at uh, painful moments in your life and where you're at right now and looking back and being able to laugh at certain things about yourself is also a moment of growth because it also kind yes. of just really shows you like, oh, you know what, maybe then before when that happened, I, it was painful and it was hard and I had anger, but you know, now I can look at it and, and laugh about it and even have gratitude towards it. And it really just shows the amount of, of growth and up-leveling that you've done. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we, we tend to not appreciate our lessons enough. You know, it was painful. I don't yeah. want to think about it, but it's like, that has helped you to grow and become the person you are today. So while I don't necessarily love my childhood, it's given me a lot more perspective on Mm -hmm. how people operate both good and bad and where we are all coming from a place of pain, because I don't think anybody escapes this life without a few scars and bruises. Yeah. Agree. (laughs) Um, I want to talk to you too, a little bit about your book, the sassy little guide to getting over him, which I think inspired the podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, tell us a little bit about this. I'm assuming over him was a past relationship or something that inspired it. Well, it was a fluke. It was, it was <laughs> an absolute total curveball that came to me. And I was in the midst of writing my first novel. And so this book came out it will be 15 years on October 19th. So it's, it's an oldie. It's almost old enough to drive. And, <laughs> and so I'm sitting on my sofa with my laptop on my lap, writing, you know, working on my first novel and a girlfriend calls me up and she's sobbing, just sobbing. She had a sneak attack breakup. And it's one of those things where you're having this conversation like, gee, honey, if you're going to be late, could you please give me a call? Because I didn't eat lunch because we're going to have an early dinner and then, you know, got it later. And if I would have known, I would have had something to eat. And, you know, his response is, you know, this just isn't working out. Oh, oh wow. And this is after they were looking at apartments together. And, you know, so it was a good, solid, happy relationship where just sneak attack breakup. So she's totally upset. And I'm in Venice. And by the time I drive over to her in Santa Monica, like 15 minutes later, her phone keeps ringing because everybody that she's called either before me or after me is calling back and she's retelling the story and retelling the story. And, you know, she's just red and raw and the tears and none of this is making her feel better. And I'm like, I've done that. That didn't help. Right. And then there was the questions of, well, why would he do this? If he said that, and why would he say that if he did that? You know, the, the whole question of, you know, why, like trying to get inside a man's brain. 
been there, done that, didn't help. So it was just kind of watching it from that immediacy of it just happened. I'm bearing witness to everything that she's going through and it's everything that I've gone through. And so it, it seemed to me like it's the same thing. Maybe it's like the five stages of grief. It's a universal thing. I mean, if we stub our toe, we can all have compassion for that because I've stubbed my toe. I know what it feels like when you stub your toe, right? You whack your funny bone, universal sensation we can presume, right? Mm-hmm, we can all relate. <laughs> but, but we don't feel that way about heartbreak. We mm-hmm. think that our heartbreak is so unique. And I will argue that maybe not. I mean, there's different degrees of heartbreak, definitely. But I think it is a universal sensation. And I think we kind of go through similar processes to figure out why this happened and what we can do about it. And my response is kind of like, so what? (laughs) (laughs) It happened and it's over. And, you know, unless both people want to get back together, there's no hope of it happening. So let's put that into perspective and let's put it all into perspective. And so that's what it was. And it's just this teeny tiny little book with 10 steps and with a lot of, a lot of humor, because when you're crying, the last thing you need is another sob story. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't need to kind of keep fueling that emotion. And, And that's sort of what we do. We keep kind of, you know, one of, one of the steps is don't pick the scab which is a little gross. I'm sorry, but it's true. <laughs> because but it's we do, we do pick the scab. We want to see if it's, if it still hurts, if it's still going to bleed. Well, of course it is, you know, because you're picking at it. You're not letting yourself heal. So of course those tender spots are going to remain tender if you keep poking at them. Yeah. But if you can let the emotion go through you, take a breath and decide to focus on something else, it's going to get better faster. But again, it's not to ignore what you're feeling. It's not to tamp it down. It's not to be toxically positive. It's to put it into perspective and say, okay, this happened and I have to move forward. And what's the best way for me to do this? So that, oh, go ahead. No, No, I just would say it's so interesting because it's like that you say like picking the scab or pouring, you know, salt into the wound or whatever Mm -hmm. it is like we'll put on that sad song that reminds us of something and then we're in that space again and then you're like what what am I like you're doing it to yourself you are it's self-inflicted and we forget that and and it's not to say that that's not human but we kind of cause our own pain by focusing on it Mm -hmm. rather than saying okay I feel hurt right now I'm just gonna let it happen and go through me and move on and maybe in five minutes it will hit you again and then you have to remind yourself again that, okay, I can either hold on to this or I can let it go. Yeah. And then it, all of a sudden in one moment, like you get to this point, you know, it could be one week, it could be two weeks, it could be two years mm-hmm. where it just doesn't hit you as hard. It just right. doesn't sting so bad. Right. And so I, I wanted that to lead to um, this question where you talk about the superpower that is actually really quite simple. And I just wanted to really get an insight on what you mean by that. Tell us more about that. Because we all want super I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I guess it's deciding to be happy. Oh, it and sounds so simple. Yeah. It is simple, but it's not. Because yeah. what I think we forget, and I, I will say I forget often, is that we have a choice <laughs> in our emotions. We have a choice in how we react. And it doesn't feel that way because something comes at us and your reaction is almost involuntary or at least your initial reaction is. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it's deciding, 
how do I want to feel about this? And that sounds so kind of unhuman, I guess I'll say, or robotic or way too logical. And we're yeah. emotional beings. And believe me, I'm super emotional. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that when we're stuck in a place, whether it's with anger or frustration or disappointment or heartbreak or grief, we, we forget that we have the choice of, do I want to hold on to these emotions that are weighing me down or do I want to let them go and decide to focus on a different emotion? And, and sometimes you have to do it second by second, minute by minute, day by day. It's, but it is a choice. And it's just like the best example I can give is like when you're in traffic, that's completely out of your control. You know, whether you left on time or not, you're stuck in traffic. So you can sit there honking your horn, flipping people off, being angry about it, which I have been known to do. <laughs> There's been those moments. <laughs> or you can say, all right, well, this is where I'm at. I'll tell the person I'm supposed to meet. I'm in traffic. I'll keep you posted and just be and put on a good playlist or something. But you can decide in that moment, am I going to let this eat at me? be pissed off and frustrated or can I just accept it and just be in the moment and let all the other frustrated drivers honk the horns and flip people off and let them do it yeah yeah exactly yeah. I'll, li I'll live vicariously yeah. it's it's so funny because I I uh, tell my fiance all the time uh whenever something with traffic happens and maybe somebody cut him off and he's like, Oh man. And I'm just like, well, maybe they had a poop. Like, I was just like, <laughs> like, you know, everybody's been there. Maybe you had to go to the bathroom and like, you're just rushing and it's like, and then you laugh. And it's like, how you said, like bringing laughter into the real talk. And it's like, it's just, I, I honestly like relate just cause it's like something we talk about. And like, we say that all the time in the car. I love it. <laughs> well, and I think sometimes we forget that, you know, if somebody cuts us off, you know, we hate their guts automatically because that's deserved, mm -hmm. but it's like, okay, well, what if you knew that they just, you know, lost someone close to them, mm -hmm. you'd have compassion for that. And it doesn't change the situation, but it changes your perspective. Absolutely. And that's what I mean by deciding. Now, I don't assume the guy in the white BMW that cut me off had any sort of, you know, bad day loss. He's just <laughs> that guy. Um, cause he's in a white BMW for sure. <laughs> just, well, I'm, I'm using that as, because that actually happened to me the other day. And it's like, I could have compassion for this guy or I could just flip him off. <laughs> and both of it feels really good. And in that moment, I'm just like, you're getting the bird, buddy. You're just getting the bird. I've been trying to do the peace sign. Like when someone, instead of like doing the automatic, I want to flip you off. Like I've literally just been like, P like, well, you know, turn that around in England. That's that's something different. Ah, oh. yeah. <laughs> that's what I need to do. I just like that happened the other day, and I was like, mm, peace. <laughs> so I'm like, I want to send that energy out there instead. Like, but so hard in some of these moments, man. Especially like getting back to LA driving. I'm like, oh yeah. Well, but that's what I mean. It's like I'm human. I'm by no means am I preaching this like I'm some perfect person in the lotus position, just like, you know, totally Levitating. like Zen and, <laughs> you know, I've totally got it all under control, but it's, you know, when I do lose my temper, I realize that I decided to do that, Yeah. you know, and am I happy with my reaction? Not always. So then just taking that into the next situation, like, do I want to do better this time? Okie doke. I'll give it a shot. 
you know, it's, it's not about achieving this perfection of behavior, but just understanding that you do have some control Mm. and you do have a say in how you feel. And it's just deciding to get into that habit because that's all it is, is just a habit. It's not like mind control or being overly (laughs) controlling with your emotions. It's just a decision and you get better at making those decisions the more that you do them. It just creates that awareness for you. So it's that being aware to then being able to make that change because you get to choose. Right, right. A little (laughs) positive reinforcement there. (laughs) You're like, oh, this feels better in my body. This feel, I feel more zen. I, yes. feel more. <laughs> yes. I wanted to ask you a little about the other books because you mentioned you were in the middle of writing a novel mm-hmm. when yeah. the sassy book came up. And so was that more your, your fiction novel? Was that more of where you thought you were going with writing or? Yeah, I mean, I went to film school and I went in what I thought would be a experimental narrative director but it turned out that um, the tuition at CalArts really cut into any sort of film budget <laughs> that I had. And I came out a traditional narrative writer. Mm-hmm. And so I you know, tried my hand at screenwriting for a bit. And you know, you're always waiting for a yes. And that really kind of frustrated me. Like I, I only have so much control in this because even if you set out to do it on your own, you need money and you're waiting for somebody to say yes to that. So it, it was kind of irritating. So I, <laughs> I went ahead and I thought, well, you know, screw it. I'll just, I'll write a book. And the great thing about writing a book is no one can tell you anything. <laughs> You're completely in charge. And, you know, until you like submit it to a publisher. And I went down that road a bit, um, and realized, okay, well, that's just more waiting and more somebody else telling me yes, or I could just publish it myself. And Mm -hmm. so I did that. And um, yeah, so the novels are really what came, I guess, second. And then a sassy little guide to getting over him was the fluke curveball that kind of got in the way of the first novel. And so my first novel is called Chainsmoking Vegetarians and Other Annoyances (laughs) in LA. So true. Because, <laughs> you know, and, um, and my second novel is called Temporary. And they're both just really, I think the better way to describe chain smoking vegetarians is about achieving success in your late 20s, early 30s, and what that is and friendships and, and just those life struggles when you're still kind of young, but not you know, you're starting to feel older, but you're not. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and Once you get to like your forties, you're like, oh yeah, I was so young. <laughs> well, and well, when you get to your fifties, <laughs> <laughs> even more so. Right? Exactly. And then temporary is, is the same thing in your late thirties, early forties and, you know, coming out of failure. So the first one is like finding success. And the second one is coming out of, of failure. And, um, and, and that's, you know, that's temporary too. Everything is temporary. Mm-hmm. Good times, bad times. It's, it's all in this endless loop. And we just have to really kind of appreciate the moments that we're in good or bad, just because they are going to pass. It may not feel like they're going to pass or it takes them a bloody long time to pass, <laughs> but they do pass. And, and again, having that perspective of, you know, not being all doom and gloom and 
trying to get yourself out of it with some, some optimism. Are you currently writing something new? I've been writing something new. So Temporary came out in 2018, Chain Smoking Vegetarians. While I was writing it in 2006, I kind of got sidetracked, you know, publishing a sassy little guide to getting over him was fun. And it really showed me how publishing works, which was a very good lesson. And I realized, well, I don't like it that much. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. I did the same thing for my book and I'm just like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. It's, it's really, um, unfun, but I mean, not terribly, but so I went back to focusing on screenplays for a bit. And then what was really funny is a, a colleague of mine was saying that her coworker was releasing a book through this specific publisher. And I'm like, oh, I sent my first novel there. Oh, I wrote a novel. <laughs> like, oh. like I totally, let me circle totally, back to that one. Yeah. Totally forgotten about it. And which is terrible and also kind of fun because I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to go back and revisit it. So I dusted it off. And 10 years after I finished it, I, I put it out into the world. And so that came out 2016. I did a young adult version of a sassy little guide for getting over him um, in 2017. And then I released temporary in 2018, started writing my third novel emotional intelligence at the Ventura County line. You know, <laughs> I have to go big title. So I love it. Like, <laughs> very long and clunky. But then um, that terrible precedent happened. And my optimism just kind of, you know, went away. And it turns out that I need a sense of joy and optimism in order to write. And so while I've, I've kept at it, it's just not coming naturally. And I know the story and I want to tell it, but there's also that question of relevance. Like I mentioned before, is this a story that fits right now with everything that we're going through? And I would hope so, but that's sort of where I'm at with writing fiction right now, because it's like, it's so dystopian right Mm -hmm. now, right? Mm -hmm. Do do you really want to pick up a book on chiclet? You know, <laughs> is, is, well, is that the beach read you're going for? Cause there's yeah. much more important subjects to tackle. But at maybe the same time, exactly, it, exactly. Yeah. That, that maybe is something that a lot of people out there need to read because it helps them be in their joy and their happy place. I hope so. So I'm, I'm still w- working at it, but I've never had a, a book or, or a screenplay take this long. And again, it's not because I don't know the story and it's not because I don't love the story and I'm not blocked. It's just where I'm at in this world. It's like, there are more important things right now. It's like, there, there's so much going on right now. I just don't have that. I'll say luxury of taking a break because to me, writing is, is, isn't work. It's, it's taking a break. It's fun. Mm -hmm. And so because I wasn't doing that, then that's why I cheated and started a podcast. Because when there's already a million podcasts, or was there 1.5 million now? <laughs> I know. Um, 
probably one point like six or two million. Like, yeah, exactly. Well, I feel like there's a new one every day. Well, when I started, it just crested a million. And wow. Well, the pandemic it- brought out <laughs> five hundred more thousand <laughs> podcasts, including ours. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it was just to have that conversation that I w- I would be having, and if if I was talking about books, because you're talking about the human condition, mm-hmm. and we're talking about things that you know we need to get over or accept or understand. And so that's been my creative outlet for the last year. Yeah, and it, it, it makes us kind of pivot to like asking you too, like with your podcast now, which is the Sassy Little Podcast, um, can you tell us a little bit about how the show relates back to your first book? Well, I, again, I, I love a good pun. And so I like to riff off things. So when I was coming up with the title, I figured I should link it to to the first book. And again, it's having that humor and perspective. So even though we're talking about, you know, some heavy subjects, I don't think there's ever been an episode where we haven't laughed. Mm. And, and that's really important. So it's about educating and opening people up to a different perspective. It's about understanding people who might seem different from you or have a situation that's different from what you experience, but still understanding how we're all connected. And even when there are like, you know, really big, icky subjects, um, the ability to laugh, because that's also part of the human condition. Like, especially when we're dealing with a lot of stress, you need to laugh and you shouldn't feel bad about laughing. I mean, I laughed at my grandfather's funeral. It's, it's not what you're supposed to do or expected to do, but you know, it, it, it was the release that I needed because that was my, you know, my favorite person in the whole world was now gone, but a certain funny situation happened and yeah, I'm just going to let out a belly laugh. Yeah. Well, and I think because there is like conditioning that's put on us by society or rules, if you will, of what's appropriate and not appropriate. And there is always an appropriate time to laugh. There's an appropriate time. You know, Mm -hmm. I remember even when I was a kid, like this is not appropriate to be laughing right now, but like, it was funny. Something was funny. Somebody like, I mean, I get it. They tripped and fell and it it worked, (laughs) but they weren't hurt. So it was funny or like I tripped and and I'm laughing because, oh my, I can't believe I just tripped over my own toes. You know, it's like, but we're taught like, especially with like laughter, especially and crying, like it's not appropriate Mm -hmm. right now to cry. Like you don't, you put on a strong face, like you, you show how strong you are. Yeah. And then, you know, three years later, you're crying uncontrollably and you have no idea where it's coming from. Well, I think it's, it's having permission to be authentic, like where you're at right now is where you need to be. And of course there are more appropriate behaviors in certain circumstances, you know, I mean, we're talking weddings, funerals, you know, important things, but just in day-to-day life, you have to, you just have to be who you are. And I think there's so much pressure to be perfect. Instagram perfect. Instagram perfect, filtered, Photoshopped to the ends of the earth. And, you know, it's just kind of bullshit, you know, and what's the point? I mean, all of that effort for what likes. Yeah. For that dopamine hit right? <laughs> when you're like, Oh, somebody liked me. You know, I, I don't know I, that person. I don't, even know, <laughs> I don't even know if they're real, but Hey, they liked me. And there's also a fallacy to that because 
there's so many accounts out there and it's like you get a thousand likes or whatever but like are those thousands of followers really by your side when you are going through something or you know what I mean like right those aren't necessarily people that you can messy cry and yeah yeah exactly (laughs) like you need people in your tribe that you can like messy cry and they're still (laughs) giving you a hug right I I think it's to me it's what's happening in real life not what's happening on a screen yeah and while a lot of our lives including this conversation is happening on a screen it's still important to hold on to what is actually real and, you know, being able to walk out of your house without full makeup on with your hair a mess, you know, your outfit may not be perfect and still feeling good about mm-hmm. who you are, but rather than putting all of this effort on looking great and being a certain size and having the certain car and a certain life and living in a certain place, you know, it's, it, it to me, it, it's, it's way too exhausting. And also some, there's a, uh, a Yale University course uh, called The Science of Wellbeing, and they discuss the effects of social media. And a lot of times people forget that what you see on social media, um, you know, it's when people post their bests. Mm-hmm. They're not posting mm-hmm. everyday instances of, oh, I spilled my coffee or I got into a fight with my significant other. You only see what people post and majority of posts are people putting their best but that doesn't necessarily mean that their lives are 24 seven happy, everything's perfect. And, um, you know, and when we compare ourselves to other people, we're thinking of, you know, trying to set that standard for ourselves when it's really a fallacy. Right. I live up to an expectation that we can, that we place on ourselves that we can never get to, you know, it's like we're setting ourselves up to fail by having this picture. I mean, there's one thing to like picture yourself in your future and like, visualize and like different things that you want to have come into your life. But there's another thing to like set the standard for yourself that once I'm this size, this weight, my hair's this length and all this, like all these components are there, then I'm able to do my next thing. Then it'll be, then I'll, then I'll be happy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then, then I'll be happy. Right. Instead of being happy about the butterfly and the parking spot. (laughs) Keep it simple, people. Oh my God, give me a good parking spot any day. (laughs) I will take it. Well, I think that's what we kind of forget because, you know, we, we want to achieve certain things. We want our success. We want our certain bank account and all of these things. And we want, you know, the labels, the clothes, the shoes, the bag, all of those things that at the end of the day mean nothing. Now, don't get me wrong. I love a good purse, (laughs) but, and I love good shoes, but I'm not going to spend an absurd amount of money on something that one isn't comfortable. I mean, maybe they are, I mean, uh, but they're not utilitarian. It's, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, being smart with, with how you choose to live in the sense that is going to bring you joy, not others. Yeah. yeah. And if you need the approval of other people, that says a lot about you. Now we all need connection and we all want to have people who love us and approve of us and, and, you know, lift us up. But if you're looking at a numbers count to 
make you feel satisfied, mm. then, then that is just a recipe for disaster and depression and unhappiness and feeling unfulfilled when you should be taking all of that effort to create a life that feels good when you walk into it. Yeah. And I feel like, you. and I feel like there's a difference too. If you wanted to buy yourself an expensive pair of shoes, go ahead because you want it because you know that it'll bring you joy. You, you've worked hard, you find satisfaction in that and that's totally fine. Yes. But there's a difference if you're buying a pair of shoes because I want to impress this person. I want to make sure I look like I have money or I look like a, a certain type of person or that I have these brands. That's the, where the difference is. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I would say, show me your credit score. let's talk about your now now let's not go there okay (laughs) what i'm I'm saying is is you know let's look at your debt to income ratio because if 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 it's you you know all of this materialism and kind of i guess showing off to impress other people or to make other people jealous or envious Mm -hmm. i i think that's really small and petty and if you're putting yourself into debt to do that then that's just nuts. You know, getting out of debt is the hardest thing in the world. And if you, if you think you're building, I guess, some sort of business or brand doing this, you know, online thing, I don't know. I I don't know. I mean, let's talk about how many housewives, right? Real housewives are, you know, in trouble through the course of, of their television history. I mean, there's, I don't think there's one franchise where somebody hasn't been caught out with a tax lien, going to jail, some (laughs) sort of fraud. And it's really sad, but when the real story comes out about what's going on. Right. But then it's like, how do you, how do you not know that if you're, especially if you're going on TV, especially if you're being public about things, how is that not going to someday come out? I guess is what I'm saying. It's you're going to be found out if it's all facade and and so what, what is the point? Yeah. What's like the why, point of, no, go ahead. Well, what's the point of pretending? Yeah. Even if you're pretending to be happy, what's the point of that? It just seems like a lot of effort for something empty that will, yeah. it, that really doesn't make you happy. You, you feel like you're trying to gain this, this sensation of joy and happiness and, and but really the effort is empty. Mm-hmm. And how much pressure you put on yourself. Oh and my gosh. Then ultimately those around you, because you're trying I might have known this from personal experience. You're trying (laughs) to fit in this perfect little box of what you're told you're supposed to have of like a family and all these like perfect little things. And like, you're suffocating. And while you're trying to keep up with the picture, then you hit this breaking point where it's just like, okay, there's, there's no longer a choice. It's like, I either save myself and like who I am, or I go down with the ship, (laughs) you know? But luckily, luckily we do have a choice. And we do have a choice. We, we have, a choice have a choice to be happy. Yes. And, yeah. and that, yeah, like, I think, you know, we, we really do have control over our, our, ourselves. We really don't have control over anything outside of ourselves. So it's definitely much easier to focus that energy on just one person and controlling what you can do versus mm-hmm. trying to control what other people are doing around you. Well, that's the superpower. Yeah. Well, and your reaction too. I talk about this with my son. I'm like, when you react to somebody, he's like, yeah, but they did this. I'm like, yeah, but it's you. 
Like it always comes back to you and yeah, it might not be right what they did, but it's, you have the power to choose how you're going to handle it. And yeah. Okay. That's upsetting. Yeah. That sucked. Yeah. You know, it really didn't feel good, but okay. Do I want to sit in that feeling? Mm -hmm. Maybe I do for a minute longer and then let's move on. Well, it's understanding that a person's behavior, even when it's, it's being aimed toward you is about them. Yeah. And remembering that because when it, when it's coming at you personally and you're feeling it in your body, it's hard to remember that, but that's, that's speaking about them, not you. And again, that perspective, and it's hard. I mean, we are human, we are reactionary, but reminding ourselves that if we're feeling good about who we are, then, you know, you're kind of almost bulletproof. Yeah. You create this little bubble around you and things just bounce right off. (laughs) (laughs) That's my visualization when I go out of the world. I've got this bubble around me and like, it's just bouncing off. So Sandra, we always like to close our segments with asking our guests if uh, you could give us insight or advice on what our listeners can do to find their own bliss. I think not waiting for it is the thing. And like what Noelle was just saying, you know, it's like when I have the house and the job and the car and the career and, you know, the family, and we kind of have this list of what we want our lives to be like or look like, and then we can be happy. Well, I don't have that life. (laughs) Me neither. I'm single. I'm child-free. I live in a teeny tiny apartment. I don't have a career per se, um, but I have creative endeavors. I have amazing friends. I have a sense of who I am in this world. I, I, I know my good side, my bad side. And, you know, I identify as Oprah rich. Nice. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but so not there. (laughs) And, you know, one day I hope to own a home, but until all that happens, you know, am I supposed to wait to be happy or should I just be kind of content right now? And, and being content doesn't mean that I'm not striving for more, but it's saying, this is, this is where I'm at right now. It's not a bad place. And, there's lots to be excited about and there's lots of things to be happy about and you know whether it's a parking space or a butterfly or a hawk in the air (laughs) it's finding those moments of joy lead you to more sustained bliss Mm -hmm. and so I love being creative. I love writing, even though I'm not really doing it right now. I love my <laughs> podcast because I get to connect with really smart, lovely, wonderful, generous people. And I get to learn something and I get to laugh and I get to share that with listeners who then respond back to me. And, and, you know, it's not all me, 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 but it's nice to have that connection. And, you know, I think we, we, like we've discussed, we have all of these achievements and, you know, what we're supposed to have, we're supposed to have the big house and the expensive car and money in the bank and private jets and all this kind of crap. (laughs) Well, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're in the middle of a, you know, climate crisis. 
we need to kind of figure out how we want to live right now as well as going forward because we're not going to go back to that normal we've been talking about it doesn't exist anymore and things are really changing and how people want to work is changing and how people want to live is changing and so you get to decide not instagram not influencers not marketers not advertisements you get to decide what makes you happy and then anybody who tells you you're wrong well, there's a middle finger for that or a peace <laughs> sign or a peace sign. Absolutely. Or even thumbs up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you get to, you get to determine what it is you want from life and it may not match what your parents want or your friends think or anything like that. Trust me, my life looks nothing like I thought it would. And I don't mean that in like a boohoo kind of way. You get to just kind of let go of expectation, not hopes and dreams, but this expectation of what it is to achieve success or what it is to achieve bliss. And then just be in your skin and figure out, do you like who you are? And do you like the people around you? Do you like where you live? And hopefully you, you say, yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. And then, hey, bliss. You know, that's, that's, that is success right there. Absolutely. 100% agree. I love this little conversation, a little podcast, a little conversation. Where can people find you, your podcast, about your books, all that good stuff? The podcast is everywhere. And um, so wherever you like to listen, you can find it. My website is the sassylittlepodcast.com. You can find it there too. My books are available everywhere, including um, that big thing on the internet that I don't like to talk about, but, um, bookshop.org is the best place to buy books online, physical books. I think they're getting into eBooks, but you can buy eBooks through your local bookstore as well. Um, supporting local independent businesses is so important. Mm. And so whenever you can make that little bit of an effort and yes, you might pay a couple dollars more, but that money goes back into, you know, your local store and it it stays in that economy as opposed to a big company that doesn't really pay taxes. Um, (laughs) And they just go on rocket ships to the moon. (laughs) That look like a penis. Like, come on, did nobody (laughs) notice that? It was so so appropriate though. It was like, it was so appropriate for like that that moment. Like, of course he's in a penis rocket. Well, exactly, exactly. (laughs) But it's like, is that really aerodynamic? Because I think we'd see that on the road a little bit more, you know? It's, man. So yeah, so if you can avoid that, avoid avoid getting a super yacht, a support yacht, um, (laughs) buy local. And if it's not on the shelf, because like I'm an independent publisher, all you have to do is ask for it, they'll order it. And so, yeah. Amazing. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for your time. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you both so much for having me. It's been lovely. Oh my gosh. I love this conversation. I laughed, <laughs> I laughed a lot. <laughs> so keep laughing people. Yeah, exactly. It's that simple. Just laugh. That leads to bliss. Exactly. Live, love, laugh. Bliss. Well, you guys, what a fun conversation we have with Sandra. She's just such a bubbly personality. And again, she's the author of a sassy little guide to getting over him. Also make sure to tune into her podcast, a sassy little podcast for getting over it. And next week we're going to have our good friend, Abby Glass, 
who is a family therapist, and she actually developed a program for those experiencing early loss and miscarriage. So tune into that next week. And if you want to find out more about us, feel free to check out our website at theblissproject777.com.